scripture reading is from Romans chapter 8. We'll begin reading at verse 28 of this chapter. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We'll read through the end of the chapter, verse 39. Before we do that, we ought to take note of verse 1 of this chapter, which you could say sets the tone for the whole chapter and really is the basis for everything that follows in Romans 8. That's this in Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Because of that, what we read in Romans 8 is true for us. Romans 8, beginning at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Then what follows to the end of the chapter are the words of our text. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, beloved, is certainly a very beautiful and a very comforting passage and chapter in the Word of God, a passage that we often turn to as God's people, that we turn to in the times when we experience many troubles and when things are very difficult for us and when circumstances for us in this life are grim. We turn to this passage when Our Father's hand, our Heavenly Father's hand is heavy upon us. 
We turn to this passage when we face sickness and pain and tragedy and strife and death. And great comfort for us is given in that well-known verse, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And that's not merely a matter of knowledge, but that's a matter of faith. We know by faith. We believe this. We believe all things work together for our good. But when we look at this chapter in the Word of God, we cannot overlook everything else in this chapter either. Everything that is stated before verse 28 and everything that follows verse 28. The whole chapter is a chapter rich with comforting words for the church and for the people of God. And the reason for that is because at the center of it all, and running all the way through this chapter, is Christ. Beginning with verse 1, as we read that earlier, there is no condemnation to us because we are in Christ Jesus. And then Christ is referred to and mentioned all the way through, and then again very specifically in the words of our text, speaking to us of the love of Jesus Christ, his love for us. That's what we consider together this morning, beloved, at the beginning of a new year. At the beginning of a new year, we cannot help but wonder about the future. There is uncertainty and there is fear. We do not know what we will face in this new year. Anything could happen from our perspective. And what has happened to us and among us in the past few years certainly is proof of that. Many unexpected things have happened. The purpose of the Word of God that we direct our attention to this morning is that this Word of God might allay our fears. May the Spirit speak to us then through this Word. And may the Spirit remove our fears. And may the Spirit give us peace as we enter into the new year, 2024. Consider then this word of God under the theme, never separated from Christ's love. Well, notice, first of all, the crucial question. Secondly, the comforting answer. And finally, the believing response. First of all, Beloved, we must note that the text sets before us a great truth, a great truth that is for those spoken of in the context here 
as the predestinated, those who have been called by God out of darkness into light, those who are the chosen of God. And that grand and glorious truth that our text sets before us is this. Christ loves us. That ought that simple statement, beloved, ought to astound us as the people of God. Think of this. It is the Son of God who loves you. The Son of God who is God himself. Why does he, who is eternal, who is God, who is high above you and me, who are but creatures of the dust, love? Why does he love us? There are plenty whom he does not love. And we don't deserve his love more than any of them. Why does he love us and not others? And think too, beloved, of what the love of Christ cost him. It cost him his life. It cost him a death on the cross. It cost him the weight of the wrath of God that came upon him. It cost him the fires of hell. Not a simple thing for him. But he was willing, out of love for us, to do that. And think, too, of what you and I have because of his love. Because of his love, we have salvation. Because of his love, we will never face the fires of hell that he faced in our place. Because of his love, we are blessed and preserved by him in our salvation. Because of his love, we have the hope of heaven and being eternally with him. That's the love of Christ. And as a believer, you may confess this morning, Jesus Christ loves me. And it is the value of that love that leads us to ask the crucial question that is asked in our text. Who shall separate me from the love of Christ? You understand, beloved, the the question is not asking about our love for him. That's not what the question is speaking of. We know it is possible for that love of us for Christ and our love for God to grow cold at times, a love that becomes weak. We don't love him as we ought to love him. But that's not what the text is speaking about, not that love. Nor does the question that is asked here concern our consciousness of Christ's love. We can sometimes lose that too. 
when we are in this life overwhelmed by life's suffering, overwhelmed by the troubles of this life, and even when we're facing the struggles that we have with sin and the reality of sins that we have committed against God, great sins that we have committed, then we can wonder ourselves about the love of Christ and lose, as it were, our consciousness of Christ's love. But again, that's not the question here. That's not what the text is speaking of. The question of the text, beloved, is this. Is there anyone and is there anything that is able to come between me and the love of Christ and to come between me and the love of Christ in such a way that that thing or that person stops Christ from loving me? Is there anyone or anything that can take away Christ's love from me so that the, the end result is Christ no longer loves me? His love is God. That's the question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a crucial question because, first of all, we do sometimes wonder about that very thing. There are many things that make us wonder about it. Paul mentions them in our text. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And the text is not simply being theoretical there. The text is presenting us with the reality of life, the reality that we know from our own experience. It's not a matter of perhaps or maybe we will face these things, but the, these are a fact of life. It's not a matter of if we might face some of these things, but it's simply a matter of when we will face them. And when these things come our way, we're tempted to say, these things have stopped Christ from loving me. They are evidences that he no longer loves me. We wonder about that sometimes. The same thought runs through our minds and through our souls as it did for Asaph, as we sang of that in Psalm 77. Has God forgotten to be kind to me? Has God in anger removed his love and grace from me? So we need to know, will any of these things ever, in reality, separate us from the love of Christ? But secondly, the question is crucial because there is someone who wants to separate us from the love of Christ. No individual is mentioned by name in our text. But Paul is thinking of someone. 
when he writes this. And that's evident and that's obvious from the question itself. He does not ask, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? But he asks, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? The apostle, under the inspiration of the Spirit, has in mind, of course, Satan, the devil. The devil who wants to take us away from Christ, our Savior, and the devil who wants to come in between Christ and us, and the devil who wants to turn Christ away from us so that Christ no longer loves us. That's what the devil is aiming to do. He works hard at it. And he works hard at it especially by getting the child of God to commit sin. Because in the devil's mind, he thinks this way. If I can get the believer to commit a terrible sin against God and against the Lord Jesus Christ, then God and Christ will no longer love that person. And so it's crucial for that reason too to have an answer to the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall Satan separate us? And then thirdly, the, quest, the question is crucial because we are speaking here of the love of Christ, who is the Son of God and who is our Savior. It's bad enough to lose the love of another person. It's bad enough to lose the love of a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a parent or a child. It's bad enough to lose the love of a fellow believer. It's an awful thing if you don't know that they still love you. It's a terrible thing if they ever say, I'm done loving you. But much more so, beloved, concerning the love of Christ. If we are separated from the love of Christ, then we lose everything that is important to us. We lose our salvation. And that's because the love of Christ for us is a saving love. And if you lose the loving, the love of Christ, that saving love of Christ, then you lose your salvation in Him. You lose the forgiveness of your sins. You lose your hope of eternal life in heaven. You lose the confidence that all things are working for your good. You lose the ability to face adversity in this life. You lose your only comfort in life and in death of belonging to Jesus Christ. You lose the love of Christ and you lose everything. And so there is nothing more important to the child of God now as we face a new year, 2024, than 
the love of Christ our Savior for us. The child of God says this, what's most important to me now as I enter a new year is not if I will overcome my present struggles in this life, is not if things will go well for me and my family in this new year, a smoother and a better year than the past, is not will this be a year without major sickness in my life or in my family, will this be a year without a tragedy happening, is not if we do have troubles and challenges in this new year, will they simply be few in number and soon over with, but this, will anything separate me from the love of Christ? Will there be anything that will stop Christ, the Son of God, my Savior, from loving me? That's crucial. child of God who lives by faith and trust in Christ says, I can bear really to lose everything else except this, except this, the love of Jesus Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's the question. The answer that our text gives is no one and nothing. Absolutely no one and absolutely nothing. But notice, beloved, this answer is given in a very striking and really in a very powerful way. in a way that you children here can understand too. We can understand our text, the answer of our text, by comparing the text to what a father might do with one of you, his young children. You're staying as a family in a strange house, away from home. And as a child, you go to bed at night and you're frightened when you go to bed at night because the house is unfamiliar. It's a strange house. You've never stayed there before. The night is dark. And you are put to bed was sent to bed in a strange room. And there's a storm raging outside. The wind is howling. And you imagine the worst as a child. You're afraid. You can't sleep. So what does your father do or what does your mother do? Your father comes and he takes you by the hand and he leads you through every room in that house. And he carefully shows you 
every part of the house, and then he takes you back to your bedroom where you're going to sleep, and he carefully shows you every corner, every drawer, every closet of that room, under the bed as well, so that you see everything in that room. And as he does so, he points out to you all of those things, and he says to you, see, there's nothing here that will hurt you. There's nothing here that you need to be afraid of. And in the words of the text, verse 38, the child is persuaded. He knows that he is now safe. And he's able to go to sleep. That's really what with the list of things given in verse 35 and again in 38 and 39, that's really what the apostle under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is doing for us. He does that with the whole universe. He takes us, as it were, on a guided tour of the universe, and he points out all kinds of things in it, and he calls us to notice all these things, and then he especially points out to us and wants us to see and to notice what we might refer to as the evil things, the negative things in this universe, the things that are against us, the things that make us afraid. And he says, nothing of all these things will separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing at all. And so on this guided tour, as it were, of the universe, he says to us, first of all, tribulation and distress and persecution. Look at them for a minute. Consider them. You may face these in life. You may face these in the new year. You may be attacked because you are a Christian. And that's becoming more and more likely for us as we come closer to the end of time. The end is near. The great tribulation is coming for the people of God. But even before then, the ungodly may hate you more in this year than they have before. They may take away your freedoms. They may be less tolerant of us as Christians. We might even face peril and sword, as that is mentioned in verse 35. The great tribulation under the Antichrist will certainly include that, peril and sword. Will any of those things separate you from the love of Christ? No, none of them. And then consider famine and nakedness. We don't experience those things now. But what if we would? And it could happen one day. It will, for sure, near the end of time. When the child of God will not not be able to buy and to sell. There will be plenty food available, 
but not available to those who reject the mark of the beast. No access to it for us. What if that happens? What if the day comes when you can no longer feed your children and they are starving? Well, those things mean that now Christ has stopped loving you. Something has come between you and the love of Christ. The answer is no. Not that either. Next, Paul says, now take a look at death. And he is referring here to death in the broadest sense of the word, that is, Death, which includes all of the things that lead to death. Sickness and surgeries and heart attacks and aging and diseases that kill. And then there is death itself. The death of a parent, the death of a spouse, the death of a child your own death. If death strikes and you lose loved ones, have you lost the love of Christ? No, not at all. And then he says, consider life. And by life, he does not simply refer there to being alive, but he is referring to life circumstances and life's troubles, the countless afflictions that we experience in this lifetime, life that includes family strife, life that includes church troubles, life that includes failures, life that includes loneliness, and all the other things that are evils that come upon us in this life. Will any of those daily afflictions come between you and the love of Christ? Will any of those daily afflictions stop or do they indicate that Christ has stopped loving you? The answer is no. Not at all. And then he says, take a look at angels and principalities and powers, referring there, of course, to the fallen angels, the devils, spiritual wickedness in high places is very powerful wickedness, very powerful in tempting the people of God and very powerful in leading us into sin headed by Satan himself, who would like nothing better than to get the child of God to commit the worst sin that he or she has ever committed. If you fall into a sin that you can't now imagine committing, will you, as a child of God, lose the love of Christ? No. Not even that. And then he goes on to list many other things too. Things that, things present, that is, anything that is now happening in this world and things to come, whatever will happen 
in the future and height, the heights of heaven and all that there is in the heavens and the depths, the depths of the earth and all that is in them. But note one more thing. He says, at the end of it all, any other creature. Any other creature. And there he covers anything that has not yet been mentioned. Anything that has not yet come to mind, perhaps. Including ourselves, too. We are a creature. What about ourselves? What about our sins? What about our unfaithfulness to God? What about our failure to love God and to love the neighbor as ourselves? Will any of those things stop Christ from loving his people? And the answer is no. And that, of course, is the most amazing thing of all. So the conclusion that the Apostle sets before us, that the Spirit sets before us, the only conclusion that the child of God must come to and may come to is this. There is absolutely nothing in the whole universe that ever can or ever will separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing and no one at all. His love is an inseparable love. Never separated from it. We who belong to Him. And this truth presented in our text is not meant not meant simply for our information, but is intended for us as believers to confess. Paul confesses it. Paul says in verse 38, I am persuaded of this. I am convinced of it. I am 100% sure of this. And remember, the Apostle Paul says this as one who knows what he is speaking about from experience as far as all of those things coming between him and the love of Christ. Paul was a man who suffered. Paul was a man who suffered immensely in his life, more than we do. Paul was a man who felt stones hit him. He was whipped. He was imprisoned, and then he lived every day with that thorn in his flesh. And he confesses with conviction, the conviction of faith, I am persuaded nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. And so we must say it with him say it with boldness and say it with conviction, confessing with the confidence of faith, I believe this too. I am persuaded of this too. I am sure 
that nothing will ever separate me from the love of Christ my Savior. How can we be so confident of that? Well, not because of us. And not, not because, therefore, we can do something to make sure Christ keeps loving us. Nor because we have the ability and the power to fend off all the enemies, the spiritual enemies, that might come between us and the love of Christ and might turn Christ against us. If it depended on us, it would be hopeless. But we can confidently confess this because we know and believe that the love of Christ is first and the love of Christ is mighty love. His love is so great and his love is so powerful that his love keeps us near him against all the opposition, against all the enemies, nothing can take us away from him and his love. His love is more powerful than all the things that the apostle mentions here in the text, than tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and sword. More powerful than death or life or angels or principalities or powers or things present, or things to come, or height, or depth, or any other creature. His love is powerful to keep us near Him and in that love. And what a difference then that makes for life and for our lives in 2024, we're able to face the new year with confidence. Because of the love of Christ, this powerful love, this mighty love, this love that is always first, you will be safe, spiritually safe, safely kept in your salvation. Because of this love, you'll be protected protected from the devil, protected from the world, and protected from your own sin. And because of this mighty love, you will never lose the love of Christ. A love that will forgive you your sins. And a love that will never let you go. Because of this love, all things will work together for your good. In love, God has arranged all things for us. And in his love, Christ, who sits at the right hand of God and executes God's counsel, carries out everything for our good sending things to purify us, sending things to refine us as gold and silver, 
sending things to separate us from sin, to separate us from the things that are below, and to direct our focus to things that are above and that are eternal, to focus on Christ himself and the glory that he is preparing for us. Because of the love of Christ, the afflictions and troubles of this life will never take us away from him, but draw us by faith closer to him. And a richer experience and enjoyment and confidence of the love of Jesus Christ. What shall we then say to these things? This, if God be for us, who can be against us? And this, if Christ loves us, nothing in all of the universe will separate us from him and his love. And this too, because of the power of the love of Christ, we are by faith more than conquerors through him that loved us. Believe it, beloved, and take this word of God with you into the new year. And may the Spirit give you this firm conviction too, that nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for Thy love, for the love of Christ from which nothing will take us. Thank Thee that we are safe and secure in our salvation because of the power of the love of our Savior who keeps us safe and protects us, preserves us in our salvation, and prepares us for glory. In his name we pray, amen.